live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go. Silver 7's on a Thursday. Our Thursday home happy hour has begun. 277 on lots of the drinks, margaritas, beers, and shots. Flamingo and Paradise. Real busy day today. Adam Candy is in as the company. Demond's running the show. Jed's down here handling remote duties. Again, it's Silver 7, so come on down, watch some golf with us, and you can check out the uh, NBA Finals game number six. Uh, by the way, that'll follow us right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Let's do it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. First of all, Candy, I haven't talked to you in a while. You've been doing a lot of work with the press box. What's going on, buddy? Candy is not there, or I'm not hearing him. We'll get with that, Kenny, in just a second. Uh, nice gesture today from Mark Davis. We'll get into this story more, but if people didn't see it, uh, Mark Davis has donated uh, $1 million to the uh, city in Texas with the uh, massacre a couple of weeks ago. The $1 million going towards fortifying the campuses in that school district. Uh, donation came together after talks with uh, X-Rater, Van McElroy, who, by the way, is going to be on with Q over on Raider Nation Radio 920. So uh, flip over when you get a chance. That's at 3.30, 3.30, and you'll hear the uh, in-depth story of Mark Davis and Van coming together on a $1 million donation. Really, really cool. So today in town is all about the Golden Knights. This morning was the press conference for uh, Bruce Cassidy. He's the brand-new Golden Knights head coach. Um, I want to play some of the sound here because uh, we grabbed a bunch of good stuff. He talked for about 35 minutes. Uh, Kelly McCrimmon spoke to the media here and there, but I thought Cassidy made a pretty good impression. And in the end, you know, it's it's talk. He's got a track record. We're going to see how he meshes and with this roster and, and how the roster deals with him. Uh, he's a guy, and it's it seems to be in the sport of hockey, more so than any other sport, uh, the changing of coaches, the need for a different voice. Uh, again, happens more in hockey than any other sport. But Cassidy's got a good track record. He goes way back with George McPhee. You would hope that everyone's in a line. Everyone's going to be cooperating. It seemed like that relationship got frayed between DeBoer and GM and president of the organization. So right now everything is good. Cassidy's fired up. He did make a quick decision, so we'll see how that works out. He was just fired eight days ago, and he kind of joked about that, that he was tired of being out of work, so he got right back to it. But this is a guy that I don't think the Knights – believed listen they didn't really say about you know what was going on behind the scenes they said at a very short list uh, we'll probably get into this more in the future um, maybe they heard some whispers that he might be available and that's why this took so long and they were waiting for a decision by the Bruins but he's their man uh, this was the uh, intro of the conference by Cassidy as he kind of takes us through the journey of finding out that he was fired by the Bruins and then starts getting calls from other teams the last eight days Obviously, when, when you get let go, it's, it's disappointing. There's a lot of emotions that go into it. You, you kind of sort of lick your wounds and console your children, and then the phone started ringing for me. So, again, I was 
very flattered, you know, that uh, people valued how I did my job. And in talking to Kelly during the process, almost on a daily basis, I just felt this was going to be a great fit for me. So that's how it kind of rolled through. And then there's a discussion with, with Julie, my wife, about we've been an East Coast family for a long time. I'm from Canada. She's from New Jersey. How would it affect the kids? And because I knew hockey-wise, it was a, you know, it was a no-brainer for me. It was going to be, how's it going to affect your family? And, and uh, everyone's on board. So that's how the process played out. Couldn't be more excited. Great group of players here that want to win. Been very close, and and uh, hopefully we can all, you know, sort of go hand in hand and get us over the top. So there you go, Bruce Cassidy. The intro to the press conference, talking about a, a whirlwind eight days. Gets fired. I think they were shocked. You know, had to console the kids. You know, you don't think about that with uh, coaches. That you know, your kids are going to be super disappointed, just like you are. Um, and then you got to break the news to them, like, hey, we might be moving soon. And then you find out that you've got an offer and you're going to go all the way across the country. So he talked about his kids a lot. We'll get into that. So let's take a quick time out. We're down here at Silver 7s, get all set. We'll get into Cassidy talking about the style of play that he likes to go with. Also, uh, the aggression that he's expecting the Golden Knights to play with on offense and also dealing with a locker room. Because those are some of the reports that he didn't exactly you know, deal well with his younger guys with the Bruins. We're just getting started here at Silver 7s. Happy hour. Happy hour is here. 277 on Lots of the drinks. We'll come back. Adam Candy will be with us, and uh, we'll break down the hire of Cassidy, and we'll check in with one of the writers from the Boston Globe. Hey, it's got to be the right fit for me, right fit for the team. Okay, so that that's an obvious, but no, there was I was going to uh, try to uh, pursue opportunities right away. As I told some people, I just got tired of being out of work, so here we are. <laughs> <laughs> some, uh, levity wasn't needed. It was funny it's not like it was like a negative press conference it's a celebration of a new coach third coach in the history of the Vegas Golden Knights in just a couple minutes uh Demond, if you can get uh, our buddy from the Boston Globe Kevin Paul DuPont up that'd be cool and uh, we'll also get you more of the press conferences uh, I know one thing you were interested in Candy we'll hear from Cassidy on this later but you liked what he said about not really interested in playing one nothing games it's all about attacking and really, that's when the Vegas Golden Knights have been at their best, Cofield. Uh, those are the games that not only the fans enjoyed watching, but those were the successful times early on for VGK. So now you look at the fact that they bring in a guy in Bruce Cassidy who wants to play fast, who wants to attack without playing what he called fire wagon hockey. And by God, do I love terms like fire wagon hockey. Right? That's, that's just quaint. So fire wagon hockey is not going to happen, but by Barry Trotz playing a defensive style I don't think is what's going to get people back in that building and get the Golden Knights happy to be playing again Riley Smith talked about it at the end of the year they want to get back to playing a more free-flowing game and I think Bruce Cassidy will let them do that well let's get the uh, the Boston side of things and find out what's going on the last six years and why uh, Bruce Cassidy went bye-bye and he's got a job now after just eight days Kevin Paul DuPont Boston Globe covers the Boston scene Bruins he's up with Cofield and company here in Vegas how are you sir very well. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're pretty good. We're pretty good. I uh, got a chance to uh, watch the press conference that I was out there. You know, good 35 minutes with Bruce Cassidy. Seemed like uh, an interesting dude. We want some more background on him. So uh, I guess, first of all, what's your read on his tenure with the Bruins? Well, I thought he was an excellent coach. And I, I listened to the 40, whatever it was, 35 or 40 minutes today. I thought he was typically uh, you know, very uh, energetic and uh uh, great with the media. I think, you know, be it fans or media in, L in Vegas, they're going to 
you're going to like him very much and enjoy his stay there. Um, he was a very, uh, he took over a team in 2016-17 that was headed for, <laughs> I'm going to apologize up front, guys, I'm dealing with a cough here. I'm in a dry climate in New Mexico, but um, he was dealing with, with a team that was uh, headed for its third straight DNQ. Uh, it had really sort of petered out here under uh, Claude Julian and uh, rallied them to, I think it was 18-8 and eight over the last third of the season, got them in the playoffs, and uh, he was in the playoffs for all six seasons behind the bench, including the cup final in 2019 in which they lost at home in Game 7 to the Blues. So there's really not much more you can ask. It's, it's a franchise that, by my eye, uh, sent Bruce Cassidy off the job as a scapegoat, and it's really... You could make a much stronger case for general manager Don Sweeney and President Cam Neely losing their jobs rather than than Bruce. But we've seen that a million times, guys, and we know how that usually falls. You know, we hear often when it comes to new coaches, especially in the NHL, they need a new voice, a a new voice in the locker room. And, I mean... I don't know how much credence I put in that, but I'm curious how you think the the voice of Bruce Cassidy will be received in the Vegas Golden Knights locker room. Well, I think I think the, yeah, <laughs> excuse me, you're right. I mean, it's 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 used, it's overused. I think it's sometimes uh, it's sometimes overplayed, and also uh, on the same hand, uh, to kind of use Vegas terms on this, every act grows old eventually, right? Uh, you can be you can be packing them in one day, and eventually it just the enthusiasm uh, peters out. I, I think what they'll find is a, a guy who's knowledgeable, positive. Uh, he is hard on young guys, uh, but in terms of how he deals with players across the lineup, he's 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 pretty even-handed, and he gives more rope to the guys who've got three, five, seven, ten years in the league. Not that there's many of those, so. There's a there's a different tone with different players based on ability, longevity, service to the team. You know whether the guy's the first liner or the fourth liner. Uh, but I I think they like him because he knows what he's doing. As 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 a player, you have to trust that the guy in charge knows what he's talking about. There's no question about that. That they can trust him. Uh, I would say if if there's a potential rub, is that he doesn't tell the media anything that he hasn't told them. So I see it on the media side is great, right? Players can take that very personally. Well, the truth of it is, I think if you know the game, if you're on the media side, by the time Bruce is saying it, he's already told them. And really, if you're doing your job correct on the media side, you've probably already been writing it anyway because you've been able to see it through your own eyes. So I think some of that speaks to if you will, the naivete and insecurity of players that why is he telling the media that I'm no good or that I'm no good in this aspect when in truth, if the player is honest, it's pretty, ev- it's pretty evident. When you've got 20 games with three points, people have to talk about it. Well, Vegas might not be in all that different of a situation than Boston, right, when we talk about a veteran locker room that has not achieved what the upper management wants it to achieve. Um, So I guess, and I don't say this as any sort of drag on Bruce Cassidy, because I actually love the hire. I think it's the right fit at the right time for Vegas if they were going to get rid of Pete DeBoer. But 
why might it work out differently in Vegas than it did in Boston? Because it seems like a lot of the dynamics are the same. Yeah, and and, and not being in that room in Vegas, I don't know, and not, not watching them play day-to-day. I will say he's very good, and I'll put a caveat on this, first of all. He's very good at uh, getting production from the power play. I know that was a problem this past season in Vegas. My caveat there is if you look at the Boston record, uh, over the course of his time, uh, it was an excellent power play you know, against the league. I don't know where it ranked, maybe maybe fourth in the league for his tenure of almost 400 games. Uh, this year, uh, down the stretch, the power play was abysmal. It, was a wor- it, worst, it might be have, at its worst it has been in, in team history uh, over the course of 12 or 13 games. I don't have the number in front of me, guys, but I think it went 0, 0 for 44 or close to that, 0 for 46 over, over a course of 12 or 13 games. I'm not a stat head. I'll, I'll, I'll own up to not being a numbers geek. But it was, it was bad. But traditionally, historically, his teams in Boston, excellent on the power play, uh, which obviously speaks to personnel, excellent on penalty kill, which doesn't necessarily speak to personnel. That really speaks to work ethic. So I think he'll come in, he'll identify his five primary guys on the power play, typically use them in a 4-1 formation, four forwards, one D. And I, I think you'll see it produce. I do. And, and let's be honest, he should be working with a healthier lineup. And my guess is he'll, he'll find the very right spot for Eichel to produce on the power play. How was he thought of by the veterans in the Boston locker room? Because you obviously have some very big names in guys like Bergeron, McAvoy, Pasternak, Marchand, so on, so on. Um, was he respected in that room to the end? I'm, I'm going to put a qualifier on this because, as you guys know, so I've, I've covered the NHL now for too long, I think 45 <laughs> years. Um, I, I, would, I would typically typically give you an immediate read and say yes. But here's why I'm going to qualify it. Uh, as you well know, in March of 2020, the, the whole world changed. So since March 2020, I've been on the job every day, we haven't been in the room, and this is everybody. We haven't been in the room every day. So the only, uh, the only uh, conversations I've had with players for two-plus calendar years now has been the scrums and the, and the Zooms and the, and, the, and, the, and the group settings. You're never going to get a candid opinion, at least in my history, a candid opinion from players what they're thinking uh, in, in those settings. Everything's wonderful. We do as we're told. Yada yada yada. Uh, I, I can tell you this: there was no public display dissent uh, among the players. I asked Don Sweeney the day of the firing if he if the players had come to him and they were disgruntled. He said no. So, and 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 to that point, I will say he got the he 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 got Pasternak to emerge as a superstar. He got uh, Marchand to quit quit the foolishness. Some of which I liked, by the way, <laughs> but, but I'm in the media. Uh, uh, Bergeron's career was well established, so we've got uh, you know we've we've got the, 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 an elite left wing, uh, an elite center in Bergeron, Pasternak, uh, you know, um, Taylor Hall re-upped, came in as a free agency. He liked it enough to re-up, got good money for it. Uh, 
Charlie McAvoy, who emerged under Bruce Cassidy. Charlie McAvoy is now playing for nine and a half million a year. So I, I, if it's there, and I can't say it's not, if it's there, I, I, I wouldn't say I'd be amazed in this day and age, but I would be surprised. Yeah, and I and totally can respect that because it's a completely different situation when you're not able to have those side conversations or talk to guys in person the way that, uh, you know, I, I've been a beat reporter in my life too, and it's a whole different situation. Uh, talking to Kevin Paul DuPont from the Boston Globe covering the Bruins, and, and with the experience that you have being around the league, it's obviously been a different kind of story with the emergence of this Vegas franchise over its first five years sometimes i think inside the bubble here in vegas we don't see the way that the franchise is viewed from outside of vegas what would you say is the read from boston or for however far you're comfortable saying from the league about what's gone on in vegas here over the first few years well obviously from a from a monetary marketing standpoint it's been a, it's been a sensational success I don't, I don't know how anybody could argue otherwise uh, I, I, I've been impressed from the start of not only how the fans embraced it, uh, but I've been in, in in expansion markets where people don't understand it. Uh, you know, uh, they're doing the wrong thing. They're cheering the wrong thing, and 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 I get that. It's it's not the easiest sport just to just to if you will walk off the street and a embrace, b to understand. Uh, it takes a long time to to learn the nuances, uh, and even for those of us who've been in it for a long time. Those nuances changed, you know, going back to the to the lockout of 0405 and the new rules, and really, it's vastly it's a vastly different game than the one I grew up watching as a kid in the in the 60s into the 70s, the one I began to work in the 70s, because the rule changes and the speed and and the and the difference in skills are, are so vastly different. So to apply that to, to the Vegas the fandom, the marketing, uh, thoroughly impressed. Uh, and you know, obviously, the first year they get to the final, uh, every everybody, every fan, and every city is disappointed every year that the team doesn't win the cup. But I, I, I think you you have to be careful about measuring at that with a 32 team league. It's uh, it's played the way it's played with the amount of injuries that occur. I, I think what you have to ask yourself as the everyday fan is. Am I entertained when I go? Do I believe in the team? Do I like it from a personally personality standpoint? Uh, and and I think that's 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 where you have to. I think that's where you kind of have to leave. Easy for me because I'm not in the fan business. I'm in the media business. <laughs> but if I were back, if I were back in the fan business, that's what I'd want. You know, the, the owner spends the money. Uh, they try to get better, good players. They seem to know what they're doing. The rest of it, whether you win or not. Man, guys, it's really roulette. Excellent information. Really good spot. Appreciate you stepping up and doing it for us. Thank you so much. All right, lad. Thanks for having me. There he is, Boston Globe, longtime hockey writer. I think that's the first time I've been called lad in a long time. That was awesome. Kevin Paul DuPont. Uh, Let's do a giveaway right now. We're going to get you ready for the NBA Finals in just a couple minutes, and then uh, Xavier Pope is going to come in and talk a little NBA, some legal stuff as well. Uh, Right now, let's do another one of our Father's Day gifts, two tickets to Motley Crue and Def Leppard, the stadium tour. Poison and Joan Jett are along with them. You can get your tickets for the show at Allegiant Stadium on Friday, September 9th by calling Demond 364-1100, caller 7364-1100. If you don't win, go to Ticketmaster.com. September 9th show, it's a Friday at the Owl. Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, and Joan Jett. Wiggins drives and finishes! Exclamation! 
exclamation point from Andrew Wiggins. It's not how you drive, it's how you arrive. Mama, there goes that man. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. Man, one guy who was vital to the NBA Finals, Andrew Wiggins. Mark Jackson, eh. he's an interesting He's an interesting listen. The other day, Candy, uh, Clay Thompson nailed a three from the left wing, and Mark Jackson says, I'm going to call him Clay because his mama calls him Clay. Like, well, yeah, his, his name is Clay. It's not a nickname. It's not, you know, he's not Boogie Thompson. I mean, a very dated <laughs> Muhammad Ali reference there, right? Like a super, super dated Muhammad Ali but reference. But he does it all the time, too, and he's, now I he's know. just, like, pigeonholing. Like, what, I know. Dude. He's just Stop. become catchphrases over and over again. Like, you could leave Breen and Van Gundy alone to do that uh, that series, and they'd probably be just fine. Andrew Wiggins. I think an unsung hero uh, throughout the playoffs. He's getting a lot more attention now, and especially because Steph was not, you know, good Steph. He was okay, Steph. 0 for 9 from 3. That never happens. He had made a 3 in the playoffs, like 132 straight games. But Wiggins got a lot of attention because he scored 26 and 13. Uh, we've been talking about Wiggins a lot on the show because he has surprised me in – uh, how good he's become in terms of his fight. And we saw it from the middle of the playoffs on. He is their most versatile defender. While, you know, we can talk about Draymond Green being a candidate every year, an all-time defender and a candidate, you know, for defensive player of the year uh, this year. Andrew Wiggins is their best guy because he can cover the point basically up to a small uh, power forward. Well, we've seen it in this series. If Jalen Brown ends up with Draymond Green on him, his first step is too quick. He's going by Draymond, causing the defense to have to collapse in, leaving the Boston three-point shooters open. When you see Andrew Wiggins with the defensive assignment against Tatum or against Brown, it's a different story. And what Andrew Wiggins is, is the Boston Celtics. He is long. He can shoot. He can defend. He is what Boston has a whole team of. It's just that Golden State also has Steph Curry. And even though you've gone through one horrendous game from Steph Curry in game five, you somehow came out the other side of it all right. So I love what Andrew Wiggins has given to them. And even as Jordan Poole has kind of regressed here in the finals, Andrew Wiggins hasn't. I want to talk more NBA finals with Xavier Pope. We'll also get into the latest with the commanders. And then, man, more blasphemy. His Twitter account is at Xavier Pope. It's entertaining, but, man, he freaking pisses me off sometimes. He's coming up in less than five. I got to call my lawyer. Xavier Pope, lawyer, host of Suit Up News, legal and cultural contributor. He is live on Cofield & Company. From the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Cofield Candy, Xavier Pope is up on this Thursday. Xavier, how you doing, buddy? What's up? A lot, man. A lot. We actually we're talking a lot of hockey today because we just got a new hockey coach with the Golden Knights. But we know that the uh, NBA uh, final game number six is coming up. I want to get to that with you in just a couple of minutes. But let's start out with uh, what I'm starting to see on social media, and that is increasing frustration with Herschel Walker running for office and saying one thing. Uh, ripping others, and then as it turns out, he's doing a lot of the same, same things that he is finger-wagging uh, at other people about. Herschel Walker is an idiot. I've, I've told you I told you that I started the hashtag, Herschel's so dumb. I don't, I, it's not so much that Herschel Walker is a dumb human being. It's also that he's so dumb, he just lies in the moment and forget he lies because he's just a total grifter. He just bounces from point to point, and it's really a disappointment. Anyone, like I tweeted this, 
uh, because in the recent poll that showed my head of uh, Senator Raphael Warnock in Georgia, uh, it really says a lot, a lot about our country when someone like Herschel Walker could parrot um, white supremacist talking points of the right, and then people want to vote for him when he has all the diff- all the qualifications of a, a wet paper bag. Uh, he is an idiot. Um, he doesn't deserve to be a public service. Um, he's lied about being a sheriff. He's lied about his education, graduating. He's lied about having kids. I mean, the guy's an absolute disaster, um, and he's an insult to the, the voters of Georgia. Well, Xavier, here we are on a sports radio show not sticking entirely to sports. We're uh-huh. talking about things uh-huh. that have to do with politics. <laughs> we might, If we worked at The Athletic, we'd be in all kinds of trouble right now because they just got told by their new ownership that, that they have to hashtag stick to sports. Uh, come on, man. What, the, the, the New York Times, of all places, telling The Athletic that they have to stick to sports? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I write for The Athletic, uh, and they were explicitly legal stuff, but there's some other stuff with politics as well. Um, I think that when it comes to politics, when, when you hear that stick to sports stuff, you're really hearing about progressive issues and shutting down progressive voices, and uh, not necessarily as it relates to some of the mainstreaming of bigotry that's happened in our country. And that's the disgusting part, is that when you mainstream a certain perspective that really that out that basically marginalizes other groups, that's not seen as being sticking to sports, and it's just an imbalance there, and uh, it, it's 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 disgusting as it's the state of our country right now. Everything is politics. There, everything can be polarizing. Everything can be framed as having yeah. a side. And I'll tell you, I feel bad for some of the people who work for that publication here in town. I. We have a, a, a wonderful young writer, African-American dude, Deshaun Reed. I have no idea what Deshaun is going to do on social media now because he speaks about what is important to him, talks about the Raiders. He's great on the Raiders, but there's going to be guys all over the country who are like, wait, I so wait, can I not talk about Saudi uh, live golf? Um, there are so many issues. I mean, what, we can't – how do you cover Jack Del Rio? How do you cover that story? This is – ESPN already tried to do this. It blew up in their face. Stop. Yeah, uh, I think that what should happen is is people have integrity in their own lives, and if the companies that they work for um, aren't don't have don't carry those same values, do not work for them or uh, organize the, the the labor that's there to be able to fight for the rights of the American worker. Um, and I think that that's what we need to have more of in this country is people sticking up for what's right and getting together to be able to do it. Um, and that's where we are right now. I think. No one like that should be able to shut up and just take what's going on in this country because that creates the environment that made you have to be quiet in the first place. Right. Xavier Pope is with us. Suit Up News, attorney out of Chicago, cultural contributor right here on Cofield and Company. All right, let's talk about NBA Game 6, but by going back uh, first to Game 5, I mean, the Celtics looked great through the middle of the third quarter, and then what did you see? It kind of just looked like they ran out of gas. I just think they just kept turning the ball over, and that's that's what plagued the Celtics all playoffs long. Is they just can't take care of the ball. Most of the, I mean, Jalen Brown can't dribble to his left at all without turning the ball over. Um, he's been extremely careless with the ball. Jason Tatum, the most turnovers in a postseason in NBA history. You know, that's a dubious record to hold when your team is supposedly, you know, right there with three great guys. Um, they have a, they have a great defense, but. I mean, it's also credit to Golden State's defense. I mean, they have a championship pedigree, and they're getting them to turn a rock over. But they just have fits and starts where they just make really bad decisions. And when you're a young team, you can't afford to make those decisions over and over again against an experienced team in the playoffs. 
What are the chances their big three comes up with like 70 plus points tonight? Uh, it, it, it's a big chance. If they're back in Boston, that, that crowd's going to be rocking, man. Um, and they're, you have role players like uh, like White and the Williams duo, and you have Al Horford that have responded at home. And I think that's the biggie. The, the others, they've kind of been quiet, really haven't done much. We haven't really heard Al Horford's name in a couple of games. So I think I think we look for a big game, um, a comeback game for Marcus Smart, who lost cool in the last game. And also look for Al Horford, maybe Derek Wright, to check him in some big minutes off the bench. What would you make of the Steph Curry, Aisha can cook T-shirt? <laughs> I, my first, the first guy tweeted Steve was like, did, did she make him wear this shirt? Um, it turns out I, I wasn't aware at the time, but uh, people were saying some things about her cooking yeah. on online, and Steph Curry responded by saying, Aisha Curry can cook. So, I mean, he's just a guy standing up for his woman. He loves her to peace. He shows that openly. Um, I thought it was hilarious at first. I mean, would you, would you wear something like that to work, Steve, uh, for your lady? You know, I say I wouldn't, but I probably would. <laughs> Adam, it, 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 you know, you know what, it, Adam? Would you? Yeah, I think I probably uh, know where I know which side my uh, my bread is buttered on. <laughs> uh, I, I will say, uh, I do think I do think athletes need to stop responding to stuff that goes on on social media from fans. I feel like it's punching down. Just ignore them, and they uh, they get quiet on their own. So, speaking about uh, getting quiet, boy, Jack Del Rio got quiet. The uh, Washington Commanders, DC. He uh, disappeared from social media, from Twitter. But before that, Ed Reed, the former NFL player, really went off on him. Um, what do you think of what Ed Reed said about Jack Del Rio, about, you know, finding out? Um, you know, he said he's kind of sick and tired. Uh, you know, $100,000 is not enough in terms of a fine. What do you think about what Ed Reed said? Not surprised what Ed Reed said. I mean, he's been a leader on and off the field. Uh, and he talked about players maintaining their, their power and using that power and also being coached, if you're 70% black league, you have power to push out coaches that have racist agendas against people who look like you. And I think that we really haven't – we should hear more from Chase Young. We should hear more about some leaders of that Washington Commanders team about what to think of their coaches who don't think very well of the communities that they come from. And that's really what the tragedy we've seen about. We saw the story, we saw it hit, we saw him take down a social media – but we really haven't seen a lot from the leadership of that team for the players. And I think that's a little bit disheartening. And it goes to show sometimes these guys really just shut up and take a paycheck and be coached by guys who don't give a crap about them. Uh, that's unfortunate. Xavier, it drives me crazy beyond the locker room, even looking at the upper management of this franchise. We know how bad it's been. We, we, we know who Daniel Snyder is. But yet this, to me, this was the easy part. This was the easy one. This guy went out there and showed you exactly who he was in a way that offended damn near everybody who was listening to it, and yet they still found a way to screw this up. $100,000, he's fine. Uh, Colin Kaepernick still doesn't have a job in the National Football League for standing up for a righteous cause, and this guy's standing up for domestic terrorism. I mean, the equivalency just shows the difference between black and white in America. Um, Jack Del Rio shouldn't have a job. Colin Kaepernick should be playing, starting for the National Football League. Xavier Pope is up with us. What suit up news about this week? We're talking more about Jack Del Rio and the, the one six hearings uh, and some of the culture um, that's contributing to the conversation right now. And uh, we we knew I knew the sports would play a role in this eventually. 
And now it has because this is what's going on, and, and players have to respond to it in some way. Now that Jack Del Rio has opened the door, you're going to see more players have to talk about it other than just Jack Del Rio and coaches as well. Yeah, I know um, the AP writer who actually is part of the company here uh, on Cofield and Company, the AP writer in Vegas, Willie Ramirez, uh, asked a couple of the Raiders about the Jack Del Rio situation, and uh, they both kind of shut it down quickly saying they're, they're thinking about football right now and they didn't really have an opinion on it. But I, I, I believe they had an opinion on it, but I also think they were probably told not to talk about it. But story for another day. A very important issue in the NFL, very important issue in the NFL, just short of – I'm kidding. It's not that important. But the official pizza has changed hands again in the National Football League. Little Caesars. I'm very happy. I'm very, I'm very happy. I think that Little Caesars pizza is trash. The politics of the the, the original guy and, 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 and supporting Rosa Parks, that's great. But I remember as a kid going to a kid's party. I was no more than seven years old. They served Little Caesars pizza, and even the kids wouldn't eat it. Uh, if kids won't eat pizza, <laughs> there's something wrong with the pizza, man. That's well, all I got to say about that. But here's the thing. When you're, you're, uh, you're, you're a Chicagoan, you know, when you're from, like, pizza cities – yeah. The chain places are it's it's a tough sell for the chain places when you're in a you know pizza centric city. Yeah, New York, Chicago, pizza centric cities. I mean Detroit too. When someone says let's go get pizza, no one's going to some of the chains. I mean there's plenty of tap great. The people who don't know about tavern pizza in Chicago. We come here, learn about Chicago. It's not more. It's just not just the deep dish. It's the pan stuff yep. that's great here, and you don't want to eat that chain crap. Sorry. No, no, <laughs> you don't. And, and, and look, when it comes to Little Caesars, I, I am not above in a pinch if I am in a press room and it's Domino's or, or it's Pizza Hut. Like I can, I can get, I can get my head around it if I absolutely have to. If it's Little Caesars, my hand is going to the bottom of my backpack to find that six-month-old granola bar because wow. it will still taste fresher than Little Caesars. Really piling on. Thank you. Thank you. Exactly. I mean, that's that's the stuff. I mean, you can, you just, there, there's no alcohol in the world that you can drink enough at 2 a.m. in the morning to eat that. I'm sorry. Well, for Little Caesars locally, uh, it's called Cofield and Company, so I'm here five days a week. I got your back. You want to advertise. <laughs> I got I to gotta salvage that somehow. Um, you know, you, uh, you're you hammering a lot of my favorites this week. I saw that you were getting on both Spirit and Frontier. I actually have a Frontier flight coming up in about three weeks. I don't hate it. I think you have to know how to manage Spirit and Frontier. What's the issue here? I mean, these are no-cost airlines, right? Where they, they kind of strip off services, kind of get them ad hoc, um, yes. piece by piece, a la carte. But the problem is you want to pay just as much as a regular ticket. You get, you get just holes on the back end thinking you're saving money on the front end, and then you have the smaller uh, uh, place where you can sit. I mean, you get your knees against the back seat. Heaven forbid someone tries to put the, the seat back. I mean, you're basically laying in your lap. You're giving them a, a temple massage at that point. <laughs> so yeah. I'm good. You know what's great about Frontier? You can't put the seat back. They don't, it doesn't recline. They, the, the seats don't recline. <laughs> when you're, exactly. Your seat doesn't recline. You're on the wrong airline, buddy. <laughs> no, uh, I, just, I just flew Frontier this past weekend. And I have never – I sat down pretty early, and I watched everybody coming onto the plane, and I have never seen a group of people more miserable to be boarding an airplane because they knew. Like, they knew what they're getting They may know. I'm here not to get fined. That's what, that's what they're saying. Hey, I, 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 I got to get on a plane. I mean, I must do it. All right. 
frontier, let's do it. I mean, you have to psych yourself up to get to You might as well just put yourself in a straight jacket, dude. It's just like fly in the air. <laughs> More important stories to hit with Xavier Pope, attorney out of Chicago. <laughs> we went a little lighter today. Uh, I saw the, I saw the information, or at least the story, that um, we may have a shortage of sriracha. So, I, like, it's not the end of the world. I understand. But do either one of you guys have, like, a stand-in good hot sauce for the audience? Because if there is a sriracha shortage, I don't want people freaking out, you know, not being able to find some kind of hot sauce. I, I think there's so many different types of hot sauce. I mean, I, t- I typically like a Chipotle. Cholula is a great one. Nice. I mean, I, I, you know, no, you can never go with go wrong with Frank's. But it's just the sriracha element has a different component. You can put it in a lot of different like like different bowls. And so that's a tragedy. There's a place near me that has a sriracha mustard. Um, that's absolutely del- delicious. So it, there's a lot of more flexibility with sriracha than you have with other hot sauces. And so um, I am I'm a little bit worried. Um, hopefully they'll be able to sort it out yeah. so that I can enjoy it on all my bowls. Yeah. It- I'm with you on the Chipotle. Uh, I'm going to give you a name that I'm enjoying uh, right now. Siete on the Chipotle is delicious. But it's not going to replace. It's not going to replace sriracha. It's not going to be able to do it. It, it. Sriracha is is too versatile to be able to be replaced that easily. And so, uh, Cofield, I'm going to go just a little bougie here. Are you ready? Yeah. You ready? Uh, get, get some gochujang. Get okay. some gochujang. I've had it. I've had it. Okay. I'm just yeah. saying. It's got it'll, a bite. It'll, it's got a little bite. It's and got a bite. It'll replace your sriracha if you need to. It might cost you a dollar two more, but everything costs you a dollar two more right now. I know. I, th- I thought you liked your food health, though, Steve. Is that a little bit too much for you, buddy? Wait, say it again. You thought you thought I like my food how? I thought, I, I, yeah, I thought, no, I thought you liked your food a little bit more mild on the no, mild no, side, no, Steve. No, I mean, no, is that going to no. be okay? No, oh, like, yeah, little Caesar style for Steve. No, no, no. I, I, like, hot, <laughs> I like hot food, but the, uh, the lady I date does not, and then uh, – I guess the guy technically that I date because he's been on the show for 15 years. You can't go anywhere with Adam Hill and get anything spicy. He is uh, he has the palate of a six year old. Oh wow! Yeah, that's the way it works. That's the way it works. All right, Xavier, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you. Love soon. you guys. Enjoy game six tonight, yo. Yep, you too. Love you, Xavier. There he is, Xavier Pope, attorney, out of Chicago. Hot sauce shortage. Oh boy, Joe Biden all over again. Thanks, Joe. Oh, God. We're going to start seeing the little I did that stickers <laughs> in the hot sauce yeah. section yeah, at the grocery store. I did that next to the empty sriracha on the top shelf of Smith's. So was I accurate on managing the discount airlines? I, 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 I just find when I hear people complain, because you just said you, you flew Frontier. I've flown Spirit many times. You, you have to know their rules. You have to know the ins and outs. It's like a little bit of a maze to make sure that you don't get hosed on all the extra fees. If you show up like a freaking dill hole at the airport last minute and you're like, wait, I thought the flight was only this. Like, there is no bargain flying. There just is no true bargain flying. They're going to try and get you if you're not educated on what the hell you're doing when you're traveling. It's fair. And there are ways to make the low-cost experience better. But once you get into that seat... Yeah, and it is made from some sort of Game of Thrones metal, There's, and know, then you so try bad. to flip down the little tray table, and you're yep. like, "What is that? The, the tray table is no larger than the size of my phone. Yeah. Like, what? What? What is this?" And I get it. You're making the plane lighter. They tell you all about how it's the greenest airline going. Well, it's also the reddest airline going, I'm sure, because they're bleeding all of us for every little piece of everything. Like, 
I'll tell you the one thing you can't do. This is the one thing you cannot do. Do not check a bag. Do not check your bag. The last time that I flew Frontier had nothing to do with the cost. Oh, it was boy. me standing at the baggage claim at McCarran with everybody else for an hour just looking around. It's 11.30 at night. Nobody has any idea where our bags are. We're going into the little uh, office there, and they're just kind of giving us the shrug emoji like, we're not sure if anybody's throwing the bags right now. What do you mean nobody's throwing the bags right now? We're trapped in the airport. Was that a direct flight, or did it have a connection? No. Di no, that was 100% uh, uh, Denver to Las Vegas. Oh, direct that. Direct, fl direct That's flight. That's rough. And, and, and me... Me, just as a middle-aged man, the only reason I checked a bag was because I was bringing beer back from Denver. Well, I, I learned now that apparently I'm no longer going to be able to illegally transport they, alcohol. They took the beer. They might have taken the beer. So I mentioned with Xavier, athletes need to stop punching down. NFL players showed up the other day at a press conference with a T-shirt on. Dude, cut it out. Please stop. 